0: As we wrap up this uh, series on thankfulness, I um, I just want to say it's really been personally convicting, and I mean that good kind of convicting, that kind of convicting where you're glad you got it, where it starts out kind of rough because it's all over you, but you know you begin to you begin to get free because of it, because you just begin to agree with God, and um, but you know these passages have been getting me in some pretty normal situations, like uh, last night. Um, uh, Rachel's birthday fell on uh, Thanksgiving this year and pretty much all she wanted was um, to go out to dinner uh, one night that wasn't Thanksgiving so we went to, went to Chili's in Burlington and, and uh, we go to leave Chili's and apparently everybody in Alamance County was on drugs and don't know how to drive around the parking lot because I suddenly did not even know how to get out of this parking lot. You couldn't go left and you, you know and then I, I, I didn't know where to go and And when I'm driving, I have this word I say all the time. I call people dingbats. And uh, somewhere in the middle of it all, I I come up with some new word. And Katie behind me goes, well, that's one we've never heard before. And I suddenly hear these verses kind of come in on me. It's the Holy Spirit being super faithful going, give thanks in every circumstance. And, you know, I don't want to give thanks. I want to grumble and and complain and fuss at the other drivers. And and it was very convicting, wonderfully convicting. And so... um, Step one was I just stopped talking. (laughs) You know, I I said to care, I said, I'll just go this way, no problem. And I kept saying, I was trying to convince myself, no problem, no problem, you know. It's amazing what little thing can just get me off course with being thankful. Amazing, convicting, sad. It's amazing what can turn me into a grumbler and a complainer just like that. And maybe some of you can identify. You know, maybe all you have to do is drive through a fast food, you know, drive-through line, and suddenly you're mad at the world, or you know, just drive on Madison Boulevard, right? Or uh, go to a store that's, you know, big enough to fit a small town in, and there only be one cashier working. Or go to a, a credit union, and and uh, you know, you've got all these little things and. There's only two people working, you know. And suddenly you went there thankful for all the blessings of your pay and, and then you're grumbling about having to wait in line. I don't know if you're like me, but I just openly confessed all the things, the silly things can t- that can turn me into a grumbler just like that. Sad, isn't it? It's Just sad. Let me tell you this other story to set the stage for tonight. So I was in junior high. That's what we called it then. And my brother died. You guys have heard me tell that story a lot of times. He died in an auto accident in Germany. And so the, it, took him, it took him a while to get his body back to the U.S. To, I missed a lot of days of school. Well, there was this teacher we didn't like, and everybody complained about this teacher. And let me say up front that uh, we mostly didn't like this particular teacher because they made us do what we are supposed to do. You know, they made us act the way we were supposed to act, and they gave us work and made us do our work and demanded we do it well. And... So we just didn't like them, you know, and we could easily come into a chorus of complaining about this teacher and put downs and, you know, we would find, uh, you know, what do you call these silly drawings where you make somebody look more ridiculous than they do for caricature? You know, people would make caricatures of them both verbally and with pictures and, well, we were, we were home. We were home uh, for a couple weeks when my brother died and this teacher wrote me a several page handwritten letter. All sorts of really sweet and encouraging things. Scripture wrote me a prayer that took up a whole page. And you know, it, it, I wasn't a Christian. My family didn't go to church. But I could tell this person had a deep faith. And it genuinely touched me down in the core of my heart. And when I went back to school, I could no longer join with the other people when they said bad things about this teacher. I just could. As a matter of fact, as you might imagine, I did the opposite. I began to defend them. I would say, no, they're, you know, they're, they're good. They're, you know, and, and I, I don't know why, but I wouldn't tell anybody why I had changed my mind. I don't know. Maybe I was a little immature or, or embarrassed, but it's sort of hard to say. They wrote me a really sweet letter, and now I like them. But the truth was, they wrote me a really sweet letter, and now I liked them. And I just couldn't badmouth them. What is the point of these two stories, how little it takes to disrupt us and how much it takes to shift us. My heart opened because of grief, a person stepping in and changing my whole perspective of them. Brothers and sisters, I tell you, I think that's what has to happen for gratitude to really shift in us. Our our main thought of the night is this, and if you don't get anything, get this main thought. This key thought of the night is printed right there in your bulletin. Life is hard, and God is good, and the latter will last longer than the former. In other words, God will be good longer than life will be hard. So, even when things stink, we have reason to be thankful constantly. Nothing new here. I want to read a couple passages really quick and share some series closing thoughts with you all. First, let me read from 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, beginning at verse 16, but really concentrating on verse 18. It reads like this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Before we move on, maybe let me read verse 18 in the J.B. Phillips translation. Listen to this. Be thankful whatever the circumstances may be. If you follow this advice, you will be working out the will of God expressed to you in Jesus Christ. In other words, J.B. Philip gets it. The will of God is that in every circumstance, we still give thanks. Let's look at another passage that's very familiar to us. Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm really concentrating on verse 20, but just to give a little context, let me begin at verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What I find really interesting is I looked up both of these passages in over 30 translations each. And several translations give some amplification to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. That in every circumstance thing. But pretty much every translation you look at concerning Ephesians 5.20, they pretty much say the same thing. For example, here's the King James Version. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't escape that giving thanks always or for all things. Look at the New American Standard Bible. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to to our God and Father. Again, giving thanks always for all things. Or here's a, a really wonderful paraphrase, the New Living Translation. It says this, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've already dealt with this earlier this month. It says what it says. Give thanks for everything. Now, I would say this. Not many of us get in those comic book situations, you know, uh, like I've, I've been watching the Batman series from the 60s and Batman is on this conveyor belt and he's going toward this thing that's going to chew him up. You know, not many of us get in those situations um, often, I guess. But this verse is basically saying if you're laying on the conveyor belt and a supervillain has put you there, still give thanks for that situation. And you're like, man, what? You want me to, you want me to give thanks for that? Yep. Don't you give thanks for everything, always. Why? Because not just, not just in Romans 8, in multiple places, Romans 8, Romans 8 just says it best. All things work together for the good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And you might not be able to see in the moment what God is going to do, but it's going to work out for the glory of God, for the good of the saint. So yes, you can lay on the conveyor belt, strapped down by a supervillain, headed towards your ultimate doom, and the command is still the same. Always give thanks for everything. These things are just plainly put there. We just have to wrestle with them. So let me pray and give a few concluding thoughts to this series. Father, it's often very hard to be thankful, if we're honest. It's easy to grumble. (laughs) It's hard to be thankful. Father, I know this. When a shift happens in our heart, it will reach our mouth. But if we fake it in our mouth, sometimes it doesn't reach our hearts. Father, give us an authentic change where we treasure you and praise and thanksgiving become a natural overflow of who we love. In Jesus I pray, amen and amen. Just a few quick thoughts to close down this series. Number one, let's face it. Thankfulness is not natural. Thankfulness is not natural. It's supernatural. Amen? (laughs) What do I mean by that? Okay, uh, see if you can fill in the blank. For all have blank and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have, all right, all right, everybody do like this. Everybody do like this. Point at me, okay, now point to your left. Now point to yourself. That's the all. Everyone in each one. <laughs> mm. Everyone in each one has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Everybody's messed up. Somebody say amen. Maybe you're not messed up in the exact same way I am, but you're messed up. I'm messed up, you're messed up. Guess what? Creation itself is broken. So we are unclean people in the midst of unclean people in the midst of a broken world. Amen? You know what's natural? What's natural to us is doing dead people stuff, doing sinful stuff, doing separated from God stuff, doing brokenness stuff. Um, I, I knew, for example, that a real change happened to me uh, when I came to the Lord in Advanced Auto, no, AutoZone, the one up on the hill, AutoZone. Um, this guy and I got in an argument about the return of a car part. And uh, my friend Rodney Wren was with me, and and the guy, he made it personal. And we're just talking about returning an alternator, man, you know. And he made it personal, and I did this right here. This is the first time in my life i had done this. I went, and I just walked away. You know, because what had been natural to me up to that point, my 25 years of life would have been to sock that dude right in his mouth. And I wouldn't have cared about the consequences. Now, I know that's not cool, but that's the way my brokenness manifested, right? Maybe your brokenness manifests that you would have bottled it all up and blew up on somebody safe later. Anybody know anybody like that? I heard a couple people say me. Well, that's a, and so I knew I was changing when I was just, I walked away. And so what was natural for me was to fight. What was supernatural was to desire peace and to choose a different path. You see what I'm saying? Grumbling and moaning and complaining all the time, that's natural. It's natural to our brokenness. I love Ravi Zacharias' is saying, he says, God didn't send Christ to make good men—I mean bad men good, but to make dead men live. All this stuff we do that's like the flesh, it's natural to the broken flesh. Somebody say amen. Why do I bring this up? Because if we're going to give thanks in every circumstance, always for everything, we need something big to happen. We need supernatural help. And I think a great place to start is just this confession that you need God. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you just got down on your knees and said, God, I need you? God, I need you. I need you when I'm roaming around in Alamance County parking lot. God, I need you in the Wendy's drive-thru. I especially need you in the McDonald's one when them people don't know how to take turns. Lord, I need you on the boulevard when they block up there at Bixbyville and Bohan I need you, Lord. I need you when these little middle schoolers are being smart-aleck to me on Thursday afternoon. I, I, I need you when my wife has asked me a sensible question and I'm all in my flesh and I'm about to bite my tongue out of my head so she don't have to knock it back in my face. I need you, Lord. Everywhere I turn, I need you. I'm out of patience. I'm out of wisdom. I'm just out of it. I'm out of love. I just need you. If if stuff that you you prescribe to we believers, if it's going to happen, then it's not going to happen by myself alone. I need you, God. When was the last time we just admitted this? It's easy to do what sin does. It's supernatural to do what Jesus does. Secondly, secondly, let's face another difficult reality. A heart full of thankfulness will easily fill with a mouth full of thankfulness. We'll fill the mouth with thankfulness. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay. You know, uh, one of the biggest times I'm tempted to lie. Anybody want to guess? As a preacher, I'll give you a little hint. The time I'm most tempted to lie. No. I don't care nothing about them taxes. I really don't. Yeah. (laughs) To me, an offshore account is the money I lost while walking around Heiko. Um, You know when I'm most tempted to lie? At a funeral. I am. There's a family grieving over somebody they really love, and they, you know, and, 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 and suddenly, you know, the moment everybody passes away, they become very heroic in the South. I'm tempted. I'm tempted right there, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm tempted to lie, especially when that person showed no real evidence of loving the Lord, but we got a, a pulpit-type funeral going on. I've had to learn over the years not to lie, to say honestly what I admired about that person, and to also preach the gospel, but I'm going to tell you what, it was an art I had to learn. It was an art I had to learn. I can tell the truth about Jesus without lying about this person, and I can tell the truth about this person without shaming them. And I just had to learn that. Why do I bring that up? I bring it up because, because back when I didn't know how to artfully share these truths together, I would be tempted to lie. But when I treasured the gospel and didn't hold it back, and I treasured the person for who they were, it was easy to tell both things. Not too long ago, I preached a funeral, and I couldn't tell you anything gospel good about the person. I couldn't, but I know several very cool things about the way they love people around their community. So what did I do? I told that, and I preached the gospel. What's this got to do with thankfulness? A lot of us struggle to be thankful because we feel like we're five-year-olds being nudged to thank somebody for a piece of gum, you know, when we didn't even really want the gum. We feel like it's forced. Say thank you. Say thank you. Like I have this weird discussion in my mind. At what age should you stop telling a child you have to say thank you? At what age are they supposed to know on their own? Right? If our affections are on the Lord, then certainly, certainly it'll be easy to be thankful. The prophet Isaiah says it like this. Isaiah twenty-nine, thirteen. This people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. What happens, what happens when our hearts aren't with the Lord is thankfulness is contrived, it's ceremonial, it's just duty. But when our hearts are on the Lord, thankfulness is real easy. It just flows out. It just flows out. Before, to even be civil to that teacher in middle school was just trying to not get in trouble. After I got that letter when my brother died. It was easy to walk in every, every day and give a, a real meaningful greeting. Hey, good to see you. Good morning. I meant it. I was so happy to see that person because I knew they cared about me. A shift had happened in me. Brothers and sisters, I contend that a shift needs to happen in us. Thirdly, the reason a shift needs to happen is because a lack of thankfulness is most often associated with a low view of God and a high view of of me. Now I'm going to tell you one of these stories that I'm not proud to tell. It's going to seem like I'm talking bad about somebody else, but you hold on; it's really about me. So Thursday, we just straight up broke the law. We had about 900 people at my house, um, and, uh, and this one family member come in and they they sit down at the table across from me. And and yeah, my you know my my daughters are here, my wife is here, my brother's here. You've um, got to be careful how you tell these stories about your family, right? But they sat down directly across from me, and, and, and my wife graciously went and made them a plate, you know, served them. We didn't serve anybody else in that place. Oh, no, she did her mom, right? You made your mom's plate. She made her mom's plate, and she made this other person a plate, and brought it to them, brought everything, drink, you know, desserts, all the food, and it was. and every bite they complained, every single bite. This needs more Worcestershire sauce. Why did she even put this on my plate? I don't even like that. I would have just liked to have a bowl full of this. You know what was really sad and hard for me? I cooked all the food. I cooked all of it. And I started taking it personal. I I, I started getting mad. What you talking about? You don't want no turkey. Them was real mashed potatoes. They didn't come out of no box, you know. You know, I, you know, I, I started cooking the afternoon before, and, and, and you know, I, I, was, I was getting hurt. And, and I didn't say anything. I finally just took my plate, and I, I did like this. <laughs> and I just went and threw my stuff away and, and grinned and walked away. But here's where it got really convicting. Imagine if you could, if God was the cook and that meal was my life. How much do I live just like that? God, if you had added more of this here, if you had only given me this and not served me that, why did you even put this on my plate? I wanted to cry. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't want to cry because I was, I was mad about talking about my food now. I'm country boy. I'm talking about, I'm, you know, you can trust fat people when they're cooking for you. I mean, come on. I done got over that. I saw myself in that moment at how much I grumble against God. And really, I want God to do everything to suit the way I think it ought to be. Here's the problem. I'm finite. I'm limited. I'm sinful. God is holy. God is infinite. God is just. Who knows better? God. But here I am. My life is the meal. God is the cook. And I'm complainer convicting. I sort of done that thing where I faked like I was going to the bathroom just because I needed to talk to Jesus for a minute. I really did. Then I went in the bathroom. It's awkward because I didn't have nothing to do. So I took, I had a James moment. You know what a James moment is? I looked in the mirror. I leaned on my sink. I took a good, hard, long look at myself. And I said, boy, I've needed this thankfulness series." Brothers and sisters, with no shame, I'll tell you. Well, I'm not ashamed to tell you. I'm ashamed of what I'm telling. I think about me way too much. And this series has really revealed that to me. Maybe you can relate. You don't mind that people get biscuits. You just don't want them to get biscuits when you're going down the boulevard. You don't mind that folks eat McDonald's. You just want them to part like the Red Sea when you pull in. You don't mind that everybody enjoys shopping, but couldn't they pick a different time? On and on and on. I want a little more of this, a little less of that. This has been a good series for me. Am I truly willing to give thanks in all circumstances? Am I truly able, willing to engage with the Lord over all things, always? And give thanks no matter what. That brings me to something else we should wrestle with. It's okay to wrestle with this truth. God does not command his children to do anything that is ultimately not helpful for us. Make no mistake, this is a command, but it's a command he wants to flow from our heart. He wants it to be helpful for us why he tells us give thanks in all circumstances it's good why because you say what can I give thanks for right here he sends you looking for him give thanks always what have I got to be thankful for right now he sends you looking for him for everything he's wanting you to say how is this going to work out in eternity that's what it's really all about focus on me right now what are my ultimate plans what are my promises and how is all this fitting into my plans and my promises this is really a call to search God out in every setting. So what, so how do we, how do we switch gears? How do we change? It's this, it requires a relentless pursuit of God and his truth, a relentless pursuit. We gotta, as Casey told us last week, Casey told us to meditate on the cross, keep the cross before us, and Casey, you know, you really spurred my heart with that, and I I just added, you know, I'm not saying your list wasn't good, right? No, not at all. I'm just saying I started, wait a minute. What else do I need to just keep before me? And I, I just made a whole big list. As a matter of fact, I opened my laptop back there. I had it with me. And I just started typing. I said, this, this, let me share with you some of the stuff I wrote down. I, I want to keep the character of God before me. Relentless pursuit. I want to remember all the ways that God is good and merciful and full of grace. I want to remember how God is holy. What makes him holy? I want to remind myself of his sovereignty. I want to keep it before me. Keep it before me. I want to look at all the ways God has answered my prayers, especially the times he's told me no. I mean, Garth Brooks, I joke about that all the time. He's wrong. You know, thank God for unanswered prayers. No, he answered. He said no. Amen? I even want to start looking for all the ways that, that, that I can thank God for stuff that's never happened. You ever, you ever even thought about that? Like, Amy, how many times have you fallen off a cliff to your death? I have to thank God. right? Jeff, how many times have you've been beheaded? Thank God, that's pretty awesome, right? Kylie, how many times has an extra eyeball popped out of your forehead? Thank God. <laughs> Carolyn, how many times? How many times have you had your identity stolen? Thank God, right? You ever just sit down and talk about all the things that you've heard about, and you say like, that ha- that hasn't happened to me. You know, the only reason chaos hasn't landed on your head is God has only chosen your struggles for you and not all struggles for everybody. Thank God. I put that on my list case. Let me keep that before me. You know? I, you know, here's a weird one. Like I don't believe in superstitions, but all superstition, I almost get a little scared. I've never hit a deer. And I live in North Carolina, y'all. Yeah. I put that on my list. I was like, what's something I've never done? I've never hit a deal. And then, you know, you get a little paranoid. You drive home, like, <laughs> on and on and on. On and on. I, I even made a, made a list of all the ways God's word has blessed me. Keep God's word before me the goodness of his word, the usefulness of his word, his son, the Holy Spirit, That particular personages in their office and their work. I, 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 even, I even pondered a while eternal life. And all that it's going to solve. One of my favorite things I put on my list was how I'll never, ever get finished discovering God. And I began to wonder, what don't I know about God? And I got excited. It's a lot. What is it? I don't know. That's the whole nature of not knowing. I don't know what I don't know about God. In case he's taking your advice, you know, just putting the cross. You know, I just deserve hell, man. So, some folks get that mentality that God's lucky to have them. God, I'm glad you drafted me. First round. I'm a good draft pick. You know, good good, good pick on you, God. It's not like that. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. I know I deserve hell. I know it's, It's a no-brainer even. It doesn't take much thought. You don't have to dig far into who I am or what I've done, either thing. But God has qualified me. As the Apostle Paul says in the book of Colossians, he's qualified. I was unqualified. He qualified me. How? Through the cross. He made peace. So that should lead us to what? To be thankful in all we do for all we have forever, and never, never, and never, and never, never. So, brothers and sisters, as we, as we look toward the Lord's Supper today, I want to close by saying this: If all we have, if all we have, is the, is is salvation, we've got more than we deserve. All right, but I want you to think about something. I want you to go ahead and pull open that top piece, and I want you to get the the wafer. The bread. Okay. All right. Let's see, Amber. I'm gonna pick on you, Amber. Okay, Amber. Let's imagine. Let's imagine that you had stolen from me. You broke in my house and stole my favorite fifty cent piece and smacked my wife. Yeah. Let's imagine you'd went all over town blaspheming my name. You know, just using my name out of context and. Think of eight more offenses, okay? And, and let's say I don't even know you. And let's say that. Let's say that, you're in a terrible accident, you're facing death, and uh, and you needed a heart transplant, and found out that Katie had the same blood type as you, and and uh, and I just says, listen, uh, Katie, we're gonna rip your heart out and give it to Amber. And Katie's like, well, you know, I'll die. i be like okay, Katie, no problem, you're going to heaven. Uh, and she's like, okay, Dad, I trust you. Let's imagine that's the way I started my relationship with you. You wake up and discover I have literally killed my daughter to become your friend. Do you think if you came to my house then and wanted my chocolate mousse tracks, I would say no? I'd give it to you. And that's serious, y'all. I eat it straight out of the carton with a spoon just to encourage people to stay out of it. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Guys, to even make peace with God, he sent his only begotten son to die on a cruel cross. That's the way he started his friendship with you. Ray, you was born dead in your trespass and sin. You was born this way. You was born broken. Tammy, you was born separated from God. Ashley, from before the day you was born. We're born under the curse. You and I both. And he says, I want friendship with Tammy. I I want Ray to be my adopted son. I, I want Ashley to be my precious daughter in my household. So to start friendship, kinship with them, I'm going to give Jesus. I don't mean I'm going to send him on a mission where he throws out a life raft to everybody. It's going to kill him. It's going to separate him from me. and I'm going to rescue him. There's this verse in Romans, church, where he says, If he has now given you his son, what will he withhold from you? What do you think Jesus is going to withhold from you? What's your struggle today? What, what thing seems insurmountable to you? I, anybody besides me ever have days you don't even like you? I'm not the only one that feels that way, right? I don't even like me. <laughs> Say, what is your biggest problem? Me. You think God's not going to finish this? How will he now, how will he now not with Christ give you everything? He's giving Christ for you. That's how Paul puts the question. How will he now not with Christ give you evidence? You think he's going to hold back from you now, Michael? I mean, really? Grace, you think God's holding out on you now? Now, he might not do it the way you want. He might not. He might put too much Worcestershire sauce in the dish for you. He might have cut your cornbread and put turkey on your plate and you didn't ask for it. He won't solve it in the way you want it in the time you want it. But he's going to solve it in the way that brings him the most glory and does you the most good across the scope of eternity. He's going to answer it. And when my heart is shifted over to this thinking, it's easier to give thanks. The Bible says on the night they were celebrating Passover. It says Jesus took the bread and after giving thanks, he told them. He broke the bread and gave thanks. He says, This is my body broken for you. Thanks be unto God for the body of Christ. I sometimes think we ought to call this the Good Samaritan's Cup. You ever thought how the best part of that story was? Well, to me, right? The Good Samaritan takes the wounded man to the end. And the end they work on his wounds. He pays for them. And you, know, you might remember what he says. He says, now, if, if, if you've got to do more and it costs more than I've given, then, then, then it's okay. I insure the cost. Jesus saves you from sin knowing you will sin more. He heals you up, resolves our enmity with the Father, and says, not just for the sin you've done or the sinner that you are, but for the sinner you shall be and the sin you shall do, I will keep paying. Man, the blood of Jesus is the New Testament, the New Covenant. It says, I got you. I, I redeem those who trust me. The Bible says, likewise, he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he said, this, this, this is my blood of the New, the New Testament. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Oh, boy, church, we have reason to be thankful. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, I love this song we're getting ready to sing. I love it because I feel like it is a perfect description of my life. I feel like most any day, many times that day, my strength, my faith will fail. I feel like most any day under trifling circumstances even, I'll let go of abiding in you and I'll grumble and I'll complain and I'll act faithlessly. Thank you, God, that you hold on to me when I fail to hold on to you. God, I pray through the singing of these sacred songs, through the prayers, through your word, that our hearts are shifted, our affections are moved to Christ and that seeing him high and lifted up, and seeing you good in all things, that thankfulness may flow easily from our tongue, that perspective may come upon us, and we may see that you're good and you've got a good plan, and that we may trust you in the middle of it. Now, God, help us to worship so that we can offer something good to you. In Jesus we pray. Amen.